You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jarielle and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hopes is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Hey Dula, welcome to another episode of the Dula Road Trip Podcast. I am still on the high from our year anniversary that happened on Tuesday, December the 7th, and I wanted to give you guys even more content this week that I think will really support you along your journey. When I first started as a doula, I started in the middle of the pandemic, basically, Uh, my relaunch of my doula career was in the middle of the pandemic. And one thing that I did was I started a podcast and I immediately start looking for guests that I thought would be great for potential um, clients and also new parents to hear from um, in order to really support them in their journey. And I ended up coming across an infant sleep consultant who is absolutely incredible. And I'm realizing now that as a postpartum doula, especially an overnight doula, I use a lot of the tips that she gave around infant sleep on that episode forever ago now, um, still to this day. And it was the most downloaded episode on my old podcast that's no longer in syndication. Short story, I didn't want to pay for the subscription anymore. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, anywho. So I remember seeing in the Facebook group a postpartum doula say, you know, she really just feels like she's holding crying babies and like she doesn't have the tools in order to support new parents around sleep. And so I was like, you know what? I think that I'm going to pull this episode out the vault. I'm going to place it here. And I really want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think about infant sleep? What do you know about infant sleep? Did your doula training cover um, any parts of infant sleep? Especially because even though I'm a birth doula and my clients don't always hire me for postpartum doula support as a birth doula, a lot of them end up messaging me and asking me questions about infant sleep, even still to this day. So taking this episode out the vault for you guys, the next voice that you will hear will be Miley Sheck. 
Miley will introduce herself and we'll get into a fantastic conversation. Listen, this is the kind of conversation where you're going to want to be next to a pen and a piece of paper, an electronic note-taking device. Like, Miley dropped so many gems, you guys. Like, I couldn't even believe it. So, let me know how you guys like this episode. Hit me up on Instagram. I am at Trip. Slide in my DMs. Tell me if this episode was helpful. I have another episode that I'm thinking about dusting some, you know, dusting some dust off of and put, pulling it out the vault and uh, putting it on this platform. It's actually an interview that I did with my therapist about anxiety and depression and how to support the people that we love and how to even bring ourselves out of anxiety and depression and with this being the holiday season we're coming up on winter especially here in Cleveland it's getting so dark and so cold and I know that so many people have lost people and with the holiday season it just brings that up so let me know if you want to hear the episode that I did with Kalisha Perry um, who is a licensed um, practical therapist. I know I'm not selling, saying that right. It's LPC. It's actually her initials. She's absolutely amazing. And we had an honest and open conversation about anxiety and depression. So let me know if that can help you guys. If so, I might go ahead and pull one more episode out the vault and place that on the platform before the week is over. Why not, right? It's the anniversary. Why not just give you four episodes in one week, right? You guys have been rocking with me. I so appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all of the personal messages you have sent me saying how much the podcast has impacted your doula journey. That's all I've ever wanted. So I so, so appreciate that. Okay, guys, we'll go ahead and hop into today's episode. Here's Miley. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a child sleep and behavior consultant. As well as in our past life, pre-kids, I was a social worker. I've always loved working with families and kids, but after having two boys, my priorities kind of changed. I decided I didn't want to do social work anymore. And after struggling a fair bit with different aspects of both of my kids' sleep, that was my new fascination, if you know what I mean. I decided that I wanted to learn everything and help other people get sleep as well. I hired a sleep consultant, I'll be honest. I needed one. And having that help and the changes that that made made me want to be able to do that with other people as well so I went and got my certification and became a sleep consultant and then a little bit later I thought child behavior I should add that because when we're talking about older kids it's not just about sleep it's about behavior as well so that kind of adds a little bit more depth to my sleep consulting and it also means I can help parents in other ways too yeah and I like what you said let's unpack that a little bit you said that at the beginning when you had your boys you were struggling can you paint the picture a little bit about what that looked like what were the things that you were experiencing that led you to hire your own newborn sleep consultant sure well I actually hired the sleep consultant with my second baby with my first, I kind of struggled with his health a little bit. He was diagnosed with reflux and his mm. reflux was actually quite bad in that he needed to be constantly medicated up until about his first birthday to be comfortable. And wow. every time that his medication kind of um, 
like he grew out of it if you know what I mean like you have to change it based on a child's weight and stuff like that so every time that he needed a new um increased dose of medication his feeding his sleeping everything would kind of um go haywire so I struggled mm. that way with him I didn't hire a sleep consultant with him because most of the issues could be solved as long as we were back at the pediatrician getting them to fix his medication but with my younger one man he was a poor sleeper he really mm. was he he sleep didn't come naturally to him and so we struggled a lot through the first year and I kind of kept with it but when he hit that transition from two naps to one he just couldn't do it he really struggled he was waking up all the time overnight he wasn't sleeping enough during the day and I could just see how exhausted my poor little man was mm -hmm. so I hired a sleep consultant we fixed him up, we got him napping better, we got him sleeping better overnight and it was a life changer. And since then, he's been an amazing sleeper. He's my kid that needs more sleep than the average child. Like he goes to bed so early, he sleeps so long. So having that sleep consultant, really, if I didn't, who knows where we would have been. Yeah, and you know what, you brought up a, a couple of things that I think that um, new parents would definitely have questions on. I know I had questions on as well, um, especially, well, now I have a toddler, she's two years old, but it's mm -hmm. as when you have a newborn baby, right, and you just get home from the hospital, what is the average number of hours that you can expect your brand new baby to sleep a day? Well, it's pretty amazing how much they really do sleep. It's like between 16 to 18 hours to begin with. But as the months progress, that kind of reduces. So by about three months, which we still kind of consider the newborn phase, they might be more sleeping more towards like 15 hours. But the thing is that their sleep is all over the place, if you know what I mean. Their single stretch of sleep may only be three to four hours to begin with. And it could be any time. It may not be at night when we normally like it to be. It could be somewhere randomly in the day. Mm -hmm. But as they get towards the six to eight weeks mark, they tend to start sleeping their longer stretch overnight. But it may still only be four to five hours long. Okay. So then what's the realistic expectation about when you can start to implement like a sleep routine or start to sleep train a newborn baby like how old should they be well a sleep routine in some ways is a little bit different to sleep training i think okay to begin with for the first couple of months you're kind of like flying along looking at your baby's sleep cues and things like that to kind of put them down but when it comes to that six to eight week mark you can start putting them to bed earlier in the night and probably by about three to four months you can start having a more consistent like nap time routine if you know what I mean so that you can kind of have more times on the clock that you know that they're going to be popped down to nap but when it comes to sleep training that actually kind of fits with that four month mark I don't suggest to start sleep training a baby before they hit 16 weeks adjusted age so that means like 16 weeks from their estimated due date because there's a lot of um, sleep changes that happen in that time 
that make them much more ready to sleep train. And if we do it a little bit earlier, like if we go by 16 weeks from their birth date, they may not have reached those sleep milestones yet. Okay. And what do you mean by sleep cues? Like, I know sometimes babies will rub their eyes or yawn or kind of sleep cues that you're referring to, or is there more to that? It's, it's that exactly. We can, we can look at the baby to see if they're showing signs that they need to sleep, but we can also like marry that up with times on the clock. So we know that a little baby isn't going to stay asleep as long as an older baby. So we can be thinking, you know, he roughly, um, is able to stay awake an hour as an example, but then also watch him as well to check because, you know, if there's lots going on, he might want to sleep a little bit earlier so we can watch for those eye rubbing, those ear pulling, staring off into space, de- decreased activity, all of those sort of things. One thing that's good for parents to know though, oftentimes things like yawning and crying are kind of a last sign of tiredness. So you want to catch your baby before they hit that point because when they're getting to the yawning and the crying, that actually is an indication that they're hitting overtired mode and falling asleep is going to be harder. Mm, okay. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. That's a good tip. Okay. So then you said that a bedtime routine can be implemented early. But as far as sleep training, you will wait till 16 weeks, right? Absolutely. Okay. I'd say a bedtime routine by six to eight weeks is great. And the one reason why that's a good time is because then they start to be able to see cues and make connections. So if you start okay. being more consistent with your bedtime routine, they'll start learning that that's a sign that sleep is coming. Okay. And it kind of helps them with falling asleep. And what are the elements of a solid bedtime routine? Like I know um, for us, like we do a bath and we might do like a story. Um, So are those some of the things that you mean, even when the baby is six weeks old, that you can start to implement even that early? Absolutely. You may not want to have quite as long a bedtime routine for a little baby that long because their wake windows are so much shorter. But yes, just consistent things that you do on that road to sleep. So it can be a bath. It can be, you know, getting pajamas and a sleep sack or a swaddle on. It can be singing a few songs, a bit of a massage, a quick cuddle, anything that makes sense. But what I do suggest is that it's consistent. So don't do something one day and do it different the next day. Have that routine consistent every day because that helps provide that cue about sleep. If you change it up, they don't know what's happening. Okay. And then you mentioned three to four hours as like the stretches of sleep that you can expect at what age? That's kind of a newborn. And then as they get a little bit older, it gets longer. So at that six to eight week mark, when I suggested that a bedtime routine is useful, that's when you might start to see more of a four to six week stretch. But more than that can take a little bit longer. A baby of about four months of age, they might actually sleep up to eight hours. Every baby's going to be different, of course, and I can't promise that everyone's baby's going to do that. Right. It's possible. Then when we hit about six months of age, a fair few of those babies can sleep the whole night. But that's not to say that every single baby will. Some babies take until about nine months. So from about six to 
nine months, some babies will still wake up like once a night for a feed. Okay. And what if you do have a newborn baby that is waking up every two hours, right? Like say the baby is about nine months or so and they're waking up every couple of hours and parents want to get a longer, you know, stretch of consistent sleep time throughout the night. What, What would you give as far as tips for that? Hey doula, are you enjoying this week's episode? Are you ready to begin your journey into birth work? If so, then I'm inviting you to check out my free training by texting the word doula to the number 216-616-3269. Again, that's 216-616-3269. This training will support you in identifying the vision you have for your doula career. It'll give you the three clear steps you need to take to begin your journey into birth work. And it will also help you avoid the common missteps that can cost you time and money. This training is perfect for anyone who wants to get started as a doula and wants the roadmap for making their dream a reality. By the end of this training, you will have a plan to finally birth your dream of becoming a certified doula. The best part is that this training is absolutely free. Free 99, okay? Plus it includes exclusive bonuses that I don't share anywhere else online. So go ahead and sign up today by texting the word Zula to 216-616-3269. And the link is also in the description of this episode. I cannot wait to see you there. All right, let's go ahead and hop back into the show. Okay, so if they're nine months, we know that they shouldn't reasonably need a feed. Mm-hmm. That That's not something that their bodies need. So we know that, therefore, there's something going on that is causing them to wake up. Now, that can be a few different things. If a baby gets used to waking up and being fed, then they continue to wake up to be fed. Mm-hmm. So one thing we can think about is if we're, automatically going in and feeding our baby and they don't need it and check with your pediatrician if you're not sure they'll be able to tell you if your baby's a healthy weight and can go a whole night so if if they can do that then we might need to delay that going in to feed or reduce the amount that we're feeding so if we're not feeling comfortable just like going I'm not going to feed that that time at all then we can reduce the amount if it's breastfeeding you might reduce the amount by minutes if it's bottle feeding by ounces as an example but that's just one reason a baby might wake up overnight a lot the uh, another reason could be because the baby's overtired if the baby's not getting enough sleep in general over a 24-hour period then they can be Mm -hmm. overtired and that can cause wake up so you might need to look at making sure that you're putting your baby down at bedtime at the right time you know for for their needs and also make sure that they're getting enough sleep during the day that the whole like um that phrase sleep begets sleep is Mm -hmm. actually so true the more sleep your baby gets the more sleep they're likely to get now there's one more reason a baby might wake up overnight a lot and that's if they're being helped to sleep at bedtime So if a parent is feeding them and they're falling asleep, rocking them, patting them, all of those sort of things, and that's what's making them fall asleep, then that can be something that they wake up for overnight. So they're waking up for that help. So one thing that you can do for that is to 
start teaching them those independent sleep skills at bedtime. And that often does when you're getting to the point of nine months old, require sleep training. It's not something you can just one day do and it goes well. You're probably going to have to do some sleep training to achieve it. Okay. And what are some methods that um, you suggest for sleep training if you're trying to get your newborn to go to bed independently after you've been maybe helping them to kind of get settled and go to sleep by holding or rocking or feeding for the first few weeks? Mm -hmm. So so I, I wouldn't start doing sleep training until obviously the baby's 16 weeks of age. But after right. that point, you can you can kind of do what makes you feel comfortable. There are some general common methods that families use and each one can be helpful. It's more about what makes you feel comfortable and what you feel like you can be consistent with. So okay. I often say to parents to think about what they feel like they can reasonably do when they're exhausted in the middle of the night because that's the time where you might give up or you might revert back to old behavior so pick the method that makes sense that you can do at that time so that the different methods the general ones are cry it out which means that you put them to bed and then you leave the room and you don't come back until morning mm -hmm. then the next stage after that is to check on them so you would put them to bed and if they're crying you would check on them um, either consistently, you know, every five minutes or every 10 minutes, or you might want to change it like gradually into bigger in increments so that they're spending more time without you checking on them. Mm -hmm. Then after that, the next method would be to sit with them. You know, you'd sit next to them as they're trying to fall asleep and then gradually move yourself away. You don't want to be stuck in that sitting with them thing. You want to mm -hmm. move away because they need to become more and more independent. And the last method is one that I generally only suggest for those younger babies. So this would be a baby of about four to six months. And this mm -hmm. is where you, whenever they cry, as they're trying to fall asleep, you pick them up, you give them a cuddle until they're calm and you put them back down to try again. And you keep doing that until they fall asleep. That okay. method is really labor intensive. It really is because you're there and you're constantly picking them up. And it often doesn't work for a baby as they get older because they get more aware and interested in what's going on. So mm -hmm. they tend to get too stimulated by mum and dad picking them up. So that's kind of why I suggest that one only for those younger babies. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the cry it out method, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about cry it out and a lot of people say that, you know, it's a method that works. And then you have the side that says, it's a method that leads to like emotional trauma or, you know, mm. um, you kind of get negativity um, in those kind of mm. conversations when you say that you want to try to cry it out or you hear people that have bad experiences with trying to allow their baby to cry it out. So can you go a little bit into like, what are the benefits of the cry it out method? And then what are the real risks? Look, I'm, I'm going to sound a somewhat controversial here and say that it's not really risky in terms of it's not going to harm your baby. Okay. The reason I say that is because your baby is, is safe. They're doing this in an environment where you're there, you're watching them. You know, you can have a video monitor. 
that you watch to make sure that they're okay and nothing happens to them. The crying can be hard. It can be heart-wrenching. I absolutely agree that it's not an easy thing to listen to. But if you're giving your baby lots of love and attention, you're meeting their needs and all of those things that we do during the daytime, your baby's going to feel supported, attached to you, all those things that often you hear about people saying about crying it out and why right. it's a risk. So it's it's going to be okay. It's hard. It's not easy to do, but it's okay for the babies. And the other thing we've got to kind of think about when we hear our baby crying and we're sleep training is that's not them um, being like harmed. What they're saying to you is, wait, mummy, I'm so used to you doing X for me. I'm so used to you rocking me. I want you to keep doing it. I don't know why we're changing it. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of their way of saying, this wasn't my plan. <laughs> I would like to keep going with the way we were doing it. So it's just a protest, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not a signal that you're doing anything bad. It's just, wait a minute, this is new. So it's not going to harm the baby. It's going to be hard to hear. And that's that's absolutely normal but they'll be okay. The one thing I can say with crying it out, it does get the fastest results. So obviously if you're really sleep deprived and you just want to get things sorted out fast, it's a great way to have things happen fast. Like a baby tends to get on track with their sleep a lot quicker than say if you picked a method where you were sitting in the room with them or picking them up, you know. The more we do as part of sleep training, the longer it tends to take, if that makes sense. Okay. And then with the cry it out method, is there like a certain length of time where you're like, okay, if your baby is in the crib and they're crying and it's been this amount of time, then you may want to adjust and pick another method. It may not be working. It may not be effective. Like if there are a certain time frame where it's like too long for the baby to be in the crib alone and crying on a given night there's not really a particular time frame that I would give it and the reason why I say this is because if we say decide that we're going to give it a certain amount of time each night before we uh, reevaluate and go in what we can accidentally be teaching a baby is that if they wait a certain amount of time, mum and dad come back in. And so mm-hmm. then that leads to less effectiveness as well. Oh. So, so it's kind of a tricky one where like on a given night, I wouldn't want to say, oh, if they're still crying after an hour, go in because that's not going to teach our baby what we want to teach them. Instead, like if let's say we we were doing everything well for three or four days and we just weren't seeing an inch of improvement, then we probably want to be reevaluating, but not on a given night because we don't want to send mixed messages. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about naps. So you did mention naps before, and of course our babies do take naps throughout the day. So on average, like how long should naps be throughout the day, depending on the age that the newborn is? 
and then how many naps is too many or not enough okay so that's going to really depend on age as you say so yeah so for a newborn up until about four months there's then naps can be quite irregular some babies are troopers and they sleep a lot some babies just have lots of you know 40 minute naps throughout the day so if your baby is inconsistent with their naps up until four months I'd say go with the flow and that's okay but once they hit more around the four to five months mark we should be starting to see that their naps are starting to get longer and starting to become more consistent. So for a four to six month old baby, they should be napping three times a day. A, a young four, four month old might be four times. And each nap, once they are doing well at making their naps longer, will be about one and a half to two hours. On a three nap a day, you would expect them to do one and a half hour in the morning, one and a half hour around midday, and then a cat nap of about 45 minutes in the later afternoon. Okay. And then when they get towards six to eight months, it does depend on the baby. Some babies do it earlier, some babies do it later. They'll start weaning off of that cat nap and just go to two consistent naps a day that will be about one and a half to two hours. We don't want a baby to stop catnapping that last 45 minute nap until they're really consistent with the length of the other two naps because otherwise they're not getting enough sleep. Okay. And then how long should you have two solid naps um, for your child before they go to one nap and then no nap at all? So with one nap, the, the time frame is on average, somewhere around 15 to 18 months that they change to that one nap. Some okay. babies might be a little bit earlier, some might not, but you want to be able to keep those two naps as long as possible because those two naps serve different benefits. So they're really important for babies. So that first nap is mentally restorative and the second nap is physically restorative. So the longer that we can keep both of those naps, the better. So a baby at around 12 months of age sometimes makes you think they want to skip that nap, uh, that like they want to only have one nap. They might start to be a bit difficult to put down, but that's often more to do with their general development. There's lots going on. They might be walking. They're soaking up language. There's so much going on in those little brains that they kind of are focusing on their sleep. But I always suggest to stay the course a bit because you never know, they might continue napping until, you know, 15 months, some babies, even 18 months, it's amazing. Okay. And then for dropping down to no naps, there's a bit more wide range for that time. And it's usually somewhere between three to maybe four and a half, depending on the child. It's a really big range. Okay, so two naps can last for quite some time. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> it is, isn't it? What, what about um, like sleep regression? So a lot of people say that 
there's a four-month sleep regression, right? So any sleep regressions do you see throughout um, like a newborn to like infant, kind of like around like one or two years old? Like how many regressions do you see? And what are tips for uh, parents about how to handle a sleep regression? So the four-month sleep regression is probably the first one that we tend to see. And that one's a funny one because honestly when you call it a sleep regression it's kind of badly named what it is is that a baby is actually going through changes in their sleep so it's more like a sleep progression and it's being clued into those changes no longer is a baby going straight into deep sleep when they fall asleep but they're actually transitioning from light sleep to deep sleep so that kind of makes a difference for two reasons. The baby now, let's say if we're helping them fall asleep, they're no longer able to be put down in their crib and you walk away and they're still asleep. What can happen is that we put them down and they wake up again because they're in light sleep, not deep sleep. Mm. So that makes a difference to their ability to fall asleep. And the other thing is sometimes they do have to have a bit of a relearn of extending their sleep cycles if you had an otherwise decent napper they might start to need to relearn how to go from one 40 minute stretch of sleep to another so it's kind of learning that skill again and then after that we we often see a regression and that's not to say that every baby's going to do it somewhere around the eight to ten month mark that sounds like a long stretch and it's not that your baby's going to do it for that whole two months It's just somewhere around that time. And that's more because they're dealing with lots of developmental stuff going on, you know, um, probably not walking yet, but crawling, cruising, understanding more about language and all of those things. And so what can happen is that they're focused on these new skills that they're learning and they have trouble switching their brains off when it comes to things like napping and also they may feel inclined to test out that new skill in their crib they might want to try and crawl around it or sit up and things like that mm-hmm. and then after that we sometimes get a get a bit of a regression around 12 months but i haven't seen that quite as consistently a lot of babies sail through that period but that's where i was saying before about how your baby might might make you think it doesn't need two naps anymore It's just because there's lots going on verbally, like they're soaking up language, they're starting to try and talk themselves, all of those sort of things. So that can occupy their brains a little bit. And then kind of after that, the biggie, the one that a lot of parents will hear about is a nap strike around two years of age. Mm. And this one can be a biggie because now you haven't got a baby anymore. You've got a toddler. And you've got a toddler that can express their opinions both verbally and by their behaviour. So that Mm -hmm. one's more about I'm independent, I want to make choices. You know, a toddler doesn't have much power in their life, but one thing they can have power over is if they fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So that can involve a bit of a strike of naps, not wanting to do it. Even if you put them in, they play through their nap all that sort of stuff so those are the most common regressions as for tips 
I guess the first thing is to make sure that the bedroom is conducive to sleep and not too stimulating. Because if you've got a bedroom that isn't conducive to sleep, that can impact their ability to relax and fall asleep. So what I mean by that is make sure it's dark, like dark, dark, so that they can't see all those things that are in their room. And dark is important just because it triggers that melatonin and that we need that to fall asleep. You know, have a sound machine on as well because that can drown out outside noises that might be disrupting them. You know, if you've got an older sibling or you want to go and get some dishes done and it can just stop them from hearing all those outside noises. The other thing to do is keep routines around sleep consistent. Mm -hmm. That means that you need to make sure that you keep doing your bedtime routines and your nap time routines and making sure that you have the timing of sleep correct as well. Don't try and switch it up to see if that helps because when it comes to these regressions, they still need sleep at that same time. They're just kind of fighting it. So we don't want to change things and get them even more overtired because they're missing their sleep. Make up for any missed sleep, whether it's in the daytime or the nighttime with early bedtimes. People kind of shudder when they hear early bedtimes and think, oh no, my baby's going to wake up so early the next day. And I can tell you, no. If they are overtired, if they need to replace lost sleep, they're not going to wake up super early. In fact, they might just surprise you. They might wake up later. Mm. So early bedtimes are so important. As I said before, sleep begets sleep. So if we get them into bed early, we'll help them sleep better. And my last piece of advice and this is especially for the times when they're regressing in their sleep because of their new skills is to give them plenty of practice time during the day so if they're starting to crawl get them practicing it while they're awake so that they're less inclined to do it at bedtime the other thing to do is if they are learning new skills like walking standing crawling is put them in a sleep sack when they're at in their bed because mm. if they wear a sleep sack they might be less able to move so much it kind of dampens that movement so they're less inclined to practice as well oh i like that tip okay and then going back to what you were saying about putting a baby to bed early like what generally is a good range time for bedtime Hello? Can you hear me? Uh-oh, can you hear me now? Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was just asking, Um, you said about putting babies to bed early. So what's a good range for a bedtime? So a good range would be after they hit that six to eight week mark, somewhere between six to eight months, um, eight months, sorry, six to 8 p.m. Now that's a wide range, but we kind of factor in how they've slept that day and when their last nap was. So that, that doesn't mean that you, you are necessarily safe to put them down at 8 p.m. because it's still within that window. It just depends, you know, what time they woke up, did they sleep well that day? all those sort of things. But if you're also compensating for really bad sleep, 
then even a bit earlier than 6 p.m. is not a bad thing for a night or two, but not something you necessarily want to try and do consistently because that will end in early wake-ups because they're just shifting their sleep, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. And are you able to compensate for um, maybe like changing a bedtime in order to get a baby to wake up later? So say you put your child to bed every night at like seven and they're always up by like 5 a.m. and you want them to sleep until maybe six or seven. So you change their bedtime to eight. Is that something that is okay to do? And how long should you consistently do that before you see the result? Well, I'm going to say first that if your baby is waking up at 5am, my instinct would be to say that it's not going to work to shift their bedtime later. And the reason I'm going to say this is generally speaking, I wake up at 5am or even early is often a sign of overtiredness. Babies wake up super early and even toddlers when they're overtired. So you would have to kind of look to make sure that that's not something else you should be doing in order to fix that sleep. Like I said, like an, an early bedtime for an overtired kid can really help. So first check up to make sure that there's not some other reason to be waking up early before you start to make the bedtime later because all you're going to manage to do is make them even tighter and maybe wake up earlier or start waking up more overnight. But as a, let's just say everything is okay and they're not overtired, they're well rested, but you just want to shift bedtime. Well, you probably want to do it slowly, like over you know, 15 minutes every couple of days, you probably don't want to do a massive jump to begin with because they need to get used to staying awake later. And try it for like a week and see how it goes. But if you find that sleep has gone backwards, they start waking up at night or they start waking early, then you know that that wasn't a good plan and they're probably overtired and you need to step back. Oh, okay. I, it's it's a crazy one. I don't tend to suggest trying to make bedtime later because oftentimes, a overtiredness could be the reason why your baby's waking earlier. But b babies in general wake early. You know, they're not sleeping in like we like to do if we have the chance. They right. tend to wake up more around six six thirty. That's biologically normal for them. So you're probably not necessarily going to get any later than seven for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So having a baby waking up earlier, you may want to look at nap time and other factors throughout the day before you adjust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, a, a big one is to look at that wake window between last nap and bedtime. Maybe that's a bit too long. That's what one I find that parents struggle with, they stretch out that window too far and the baby becomes overtired. But napping is a thing too, because if they're not napping well, then that will impact early wake-ups as well. Okay. And then let me ask you a question about sleep environments, right? Mm -hmm. A couple of questions here. Um, The first one is about twins. So if you do have parents who have twins, 
is it okay to put twin babies in the same crib and have them sleep next to each other? I'm going to say no, as much as it sounds like it would be lovely to do. The AAP, which is the American Academy of Pediatrics, they make the recommendations for what's considered safe sleep. And they're very clear that each baby needs their own separate sleep surface just for safety to make sure that, you know, there's nothing in there that's going to cause them any harm. And so even if you these two little twins are not moving around a lot in their sleep you just don't know what could happen so it's a lot safer to have them in their own separate bare sleep surface okay for sure what about parents that travel right so if mm-hmm. you seem to be out and about and you're not always at home during the time that your baby would typically take a nap are there things you can do to kind of turn an environment um, into a nap environment for your child if you're not at home? Mm. It's a hard one, honestly, because I mean, from my experience, I have two little boys who are completely different sleepers. And for one of them, if we were traveling, he would just be a breeze in a stroller. He would sleep really well. Whereas my other one was just like, he couldn't sleep more than 45 minutes in a stroller. Like he was just so in tune to his environment and any little thing could wake him up. So it can be really hard. It may depend on the baby you have. Some are going to be better sleepers out and about than others. Mm-hmm. There are such things as um, travel sound machines and stuff like that, that you could kind of attach to the stroller and see if that helps but it's not necessarily foolproof and it probably depends on what sort of environment you're at you know you can bring things from home that they used to when you're traveling you can bring their swaddle or their sleep sack and all of those sort of things so at least they're using the same things that they would at home but you're still kind of at the mercy of the environment that you're in to some extent and the thing with sleeping on the go which is kind of what we're talking about Mm -hmm. is that even the best sleeper is not going to have as restorative a nap on the go as they would in their own crib and the reason is because sleeping in motion whether it's motion by being in a carrier or a wrap on you whether it's motion in the car or motion in the stroller it doesn't tip the brain into the deep stages of sleep we get laying on our bed or our crib so they're going to wake up not feeling as well rested so we've got a kind of plan for that and that may mean that the next nap needs to be a little bit earlier and an earlier bedtime to compensate because you might have a tighter crankier little one than if they had have slept their normal amount in their crib it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter if they slept two hours in the stroller Mm -hmm. it won't be as well rested as if they had been in their crib Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, sleeping on the go is not as, as restorative as sleeping at Absolutely. home. On yeah. Environment, no matter. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know that too. So yeah. Can... Plan accordingly. Yep. Okay. Okay. And Miley, do you have any tips for parents that want to go from co-sleeping with their babies to having their babies sleep in their own bed? Well, that's a big one. It can be quite a big change for a parent and a baby. 
So yeah. what you'd be looking at is doing sleep training, essentially. You would want to get okay. the baby used to sleeping in their own space. If they're not ever being used to their own crib, you may want to get them used to at least being in that crib. I was just talking to a mum about that this morning by getting them to play in there during the day. And so they're used to their crib. So it's not just some completely new environment before you start transitioning them. And the next thing is when I tend to work with a family who's transitioning from co-sleeping is we don't tend to go quite as, strong in the sleep training as we would for other babies because it's such a big change so instead of like going i'm going to transition from co-sleeping and we're going to do cry it out as an example is i probably do something a little bit more gentle of starting with the baby in the crib and having mum or dad next to them as they fall asleep and kind of gently remove okay. so that it's not such a big jump if you know what I mean. Yeah, so a gentle kind of like weaning. Yeah, because it's okay. going to be a big change. One minute I'm in a cozy bed with mum until I'm completely on my own. Sounds sounds pretty big. <laughs> yeah, now I guess now that you say it, you're right. That is a major adjustment. Okay. Really? Okay, and are there any um, other pieces of resources or advice or wisdom that you wish that all new parents knew? My big one is I really wish parents learned more about sleep when their baby was a newborn, whether that be going and doing some sort of class while you're expecting or right after you bring your baby home. Because I think we can make a lot of gains in that newborn period if we know what we were doing. And I didn't know what I was doing when I was a new mum. So I know what it feels like to just be overwhelmed and have no idea. So if we learn a little bit about what to expect of newborn sleep, and even in that first year, it can really help. And there are things that we can even do when our baby is like under four months so that when they hit that age to sleep train, you may just not need to do it. If you know what I mean, you've, you've done the right things and they are actually a pretty good sleeper. And I can go through some of those things now, if it would help just to give parents a bit of an idea. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So the things that I tend to suggest and this is without knowing all the ins and outs of, you know, exactly how long a baby should be sleeping at certain times. This is just a general overview is we need to keep weight windows short. We need to remember that newborn babies can't sleep that long. So we need to make sure that we're keeping the, their times that they're awake short enough so that when they go down for their nap or bedtime, that they're not overtired, that we've hit the right time. We need to make sure that the bedroom environment is conducive to sleep. That means we need to make it dark and have a sound machine to block out distracting noise. And when they're even newborns, that sound is actually great for them because they're used to all that sound when they were in their parents' womb. Mm -hmm. so they're going to kind of, that's going to feel comfortable to them. So there's no reason why you can't have a sound machine from birth because mm -hmm. that's going to feel comforting for them. 
We need to start a consistent bedtime and nap time routine, as I said before, and nap time routines are just as important as bedtime routines. We didn't really talk about that before. We don't necessarily want the nap time routine to be as long and drawn out as we may choose to have a bedtime routine. But if we have a short one, even one that's kind of shortened from bedtime, you know, taking a couple of elements from bedtime, that can provide a sleep cue, which is so important. And what the other thing that we need to do is practice as often as possible with our newborns to put them down drowsy but awake. And what that means is we don't want them to be falling asleep, but we want them to be starting to feel sleepy. We put them down and we try and give them some opportunities to fall asleep on their own. I'm not saying we're going to get there every single time when they're newborns, but the more we give them the opportunity, the better they'll become at it. So you can put them down drowsy but awake, let them fuss a little bit and fussing isn't crying that's just a few noises but if they start crying you can pick them up and try again the next nap and the more we do this the better they get at it so that you may find your baby hits that time where most people would sleep train and you've got a nice sleeper because he's started to practice that skill wow I love it that was a lot of awesome tips okay Miley so where can we find you online so you can find me in a few different places. It depends where you want to look for me. My website is www.littlebigdreamers.net. I'm on Facebook at Little Big Dreamers Sleep and Behaviour Consulting. Or you can even find me on Instagram and that's Miley underscore Little Big Dreamers. Okay, awesome. And we'll make sure to put all of that information in the show notes as well. Ali, I want to thank you so much for your time and for all of your expert advice. I really, really appreciate you. You're very welcome. I've loved giving all this information and I hope it helps lots of parents. Yeah, I know it will. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay, can you still hear me? I can. Okay, awesome. I'm happy. I was like, I hope I didn't lose you. I know the sound kind of went a little wonky there for a second. Are you able to edit that out? Because that's going to be a bit weird. <laughs> yes, I am able to edit that out. So absolutely no worries. I'm still <laughs> I am going to edit the entire um, show. I'm going to add like the intro and outro. And then um, I'm also going to send you um, a copy of it. So what I'll do is I'll send you a link to a Google Drive, if that's okay, via email. And it'll have the graphics in there. So I normally do one um, still graphic. There'll be one video graphic. And then you'll also have access to the entire episode as well. Excellent. And when are you okay. um, thinking that all this will be up and ready? So this is going to be ready, um, actually, this Friday is oh, wow. to be the published date. Yeah. Excellent. So if you send me all those links, I can share them out as well. That'll give you more okay. people looking at it. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. And Miley, do you have like um, your own podcast or like um, no, no, something? I just want to make sure I'm plugging everything for you in the show notes. No, those are my biggies. Okay. Instagram, Facebook, and my website. That's and your website. Okay. I kind of have Twitter, but I do nothing with it, so don't bother with that. <laughs> okay. I do have Pinterest as well, but 
fine with what you've got. <laughs> okay. And do you work with people um, virtually so you can work with anybody in the country or the world? Absolutely, for sure. Okay. I could work with anyone anywhere. The hardest bit would be obviously time zone. Time zone, right. But I definitely work with people all over the U.S. I've worked with people from Canada, you know, can be anywhere. Okay, awesome. And you're currently taking clients for 2020? Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Okay, I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. I just want to make sure I'm like, I don't want to um, leave anything out because I so appreciate your time. I want to make sure that we get you the maximum amount of exposure and just let people know that you're available. Everybody is going to reach out to you. Sleep is such a big thing that a lot of people don't even know they can get help with. So, oh, absolutely. Back when I had my first, I didn't even know sleep consultants existed. (laughs) It's funny, like, and then I learned about them, and it's like, why didn't I know this sooner? Right. Yeah, I know. I was, I actually have an editor who um, I send like everything to, but just because I, it always just helps to have another eye for grammatical errors. Like when you're like a subject matter expert, you don't want to be spelling stuff wrong. No. Commas in the wrong place. So she's like, I'm so grateful that like you and I are collaborating because I had no idea that doulas existed. I had no idea that newborn sleep consultants existed. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know any of these services were a thing before we started working together. So I was like, well, that's good. I'm happy. Like at least it's working already. Like people, <laughs> yes, you the message yeah. and knowing what's available, which is the whole purpose with the whole podcast and everything that we do in general. I just want people to have holistic wellness throughout such a major adjustment in their life. And oh, period. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Miley. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I so appreciate you. And I will make sure to email you um, from here on out and get you that link to the Google Drive. And then we are friends on Facebook. The messenger is still open. If you have absolutely any questions or any feedback or want to come back at any time, just let me know. I'd be happy to stay and do whatever I can for you. Well, I'd absolutely be happy to come back if you ever had another sleep or behavior topic to talk about. Just let me know. Okay, awesome. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.